Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I'm your host, Damon Martin, and I'm alongside the UFC legend himself, Matt Brown. Matt, UFC 282 is in the books now, but let me ask first, how was your weekend? Was a very good weekend. I mean, you know, well, you're a nighttime guy, but on the East Coast, we have to stay up till one in the morning to watch these damn fights. It doesn't bother you. You're a night guy. I got kids, dude. I got to get up at five, six in the morning regularly to try to keep a schedule. I wish so. I'm still a little hungover, but it was a great night of fights. Um, but I was actually able to sleep after these fights. The main event kind of put me to sleep, so I was <laughs> actually able to sleep sometimes, man. Uh, I think it was uh, Pereira and Izzy, yeah, when they fought, like I wasn't sleeping for like an hour after that, I couldn't believe it, or Edward Zeusman, you know, things like that. Sometimes you can't sleep for hours, man. Yeah, no, I, I, fully, I, like I said, I mean, I end up working later because obviously I'm doing, you know, writing and stuff. But some nights I have like an adrenaline rush, like the night of the Wonder Boy, the Wonder Boy uh, Holland fight had me like that. Like I was yeah. on an adrenaline high after that fight. Same with, as you mentioned, Adesanya Pereira wasn't quite the same with this card. I was, I was amped up, but probably for all the wrong reasons because we, it, like, for such a great card, two decisions out of whatever it was eleven or twelve fights, which is incredible. So many finishes great performances and then it all kind of gets marred by the last two fights with the weird judging decisions and we're going to talk a lot about that but it is weird right like because that's what we're going to remember from this event right like that's going to be what we remember most is what happened at the end we kind of forget like Ponzinibbio pulls off this incredible comeback knockout Ilya Taporia knocks out and you know goes out there and finishes well hits him hits him and then submits Bryce Mitchell uh you know that the new the new 18 year old kid Raul Rosas Jr. goes out there and pulls off a crazy submission in the first round like all these great things happen we kind of forget about it because of how it all ended and I know what we were just talking about last week we're not supposed to be betting this is the first time I should have bet on every fight because I hadn't hit everyone except for two of them on this one. Yeah, you you were picking. I was, dude. I so you last week you pulled the trigger and and one hundred percent called the Jared Gordon Patty Pimblett fight. And I'll admit I feel kind of bad because in my head I knew Jared Gordon could win that fight, 
But the reason I didn't pick him was I just thought the moment was going to be a bit much. Like, because you know as well as I do, some guys or girls, when they step into a big, high-profile fight against a superstar, the moment can kind of weigh them down a little bit. I think there's a... I've said this numerous times. I think Conor, Conor McGregor, who's you know the best ever at this when you talk about mind games and things like that, um, I think he beats... I think some of his opponents already come into the cage with them at like 75% because they're already... Not only are they only mentally defeated from like the, the trash talk, but I'm saying like the spotlight of fighting... Like Eddie Alvarez, dude. I was at that fight. When he fought Eddie Alvarez at UFC 205, Eddie Alvarez the guy who's been around forever, fought everybody. Now, I picked Conor to win the fight. Absolutely confident Conor was going to win that fight. But I didn't think... Eddie would just melt in the in the spotlight and he just I mean he just did not show up like he just absolutely did not show up and I 100% believe it was a combination of Connor you know just mentally just a, you know just mentally breaking him but also the moment like first ever MSG card main event going for the champ champ status all this guys kind of I think Eddie just froze like a deer in the headlights that night I just thought Jared wouldn't be up for the occasion I honestly admit I thought I thought that he did, and he won. Listen, let's just get into it. Jared Gordon won that fight. I had a 30-27, Jared. There was no doubt in my mind. I was like, well, hype train around Patty Pimblett's over. 30-27, and then he loses. That's exactly right, and Jared handled it all very well. I thought if anybody didn't um, show up for the spotlight, it was Patty. You know, he's the one He's the one putting all the pressure on everyone. That's exactly what Connor always did great. Uh, the, I think the best example of, ever of it was Floyd Mayweather doing it to Canelo Alvarez. He got Canelo before Canelo was used to the spotlight. And and half of it is, uh, I've been in this situation before. There's a large part of it that's all the eyes on you. and all, But most of us can handle that, I think. A lot of guys, uh, like me, I, I thrive in that. Like, I feel better when all the eyes are on me. The bigger the crowd, the better. It's all the extra obligations that you're not used to doing leading up to the fight you're used to being by yourself all week and having your own thing doing what you want to do getting your weight cut the way you want but all of a sudden now you get your media list at the beginning of the week and you're like what the fuck like how am I supposed <laughs> to manage all this you know like how am I supposed to train it all like how am I supposed to cut weight and and then you have to go to these media appearances and talk to all these people and you have to um, present yourself well too while you're cutting weight while you're focusing on the fight I get, I, I get, had the feeling that that affected Patty more so than Jared. Jared seemed very calm, cool, collected through the whole thing. Um, now, uh, Patty might have handled it well. I can't read his mind, but uh, the way that he fought was not um, – either he didn't come in with a good strategy at all, didn't come in with a game plan, a winning game plan, uh, you know, or maybe all that stuff kind of got to him, got to his head a little bit. The hype got to him. Yeah, it's funny. You called it before, and you said the way that Patty Pimblett can win this fight is by taking it to the ground and, you know, basically out grappling Jared. He barely went, he barely even tried to grapple. I don't know that he actually went for a takedown. Jared took him down. Um, it was, it was, and again, we'll get in the decision a little bit, but like Jared fought so smart. And one thing I'll give Patty credit for that I, I honestly just didn't know, you know, necessarily that he had, man, he showed a chin. He showed good durability because he got yeah. hit. Man, Jared hit him with some left hands, and I guarantee you most lightweights would have gone face first onto the canvas. He blasted him with some shots. That left hand was landing all night, and defensively, this is a problem. Patty Pimblett's defense is atrocious. I mean, he got yes. hit 
a lot and hard shots. Now, this is not a knock on Jared Gordon. I'm not saying that because Jared Gordon hits hard. He's got knockouts. He's a really good fighter. I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about the, the, the one-punch knockout power guys. The guys we know, they hit you with one shot and you're, you know, your head's going in the middle of the third row. You know what I mean? There are guys like that. You think about like a Gaethje or a Poirier, the top-level guys of that division. Dude, like I already said there was a ceiling for Patty Pimblett, you know, I think the ceiling's been breached. Like, I think we've reached the ceiling for him because Jared Gordon's a good lightweight. Jared Gordon is not a top 15 lightweight. You know what I mean? And for the way that fight went out, for the way that fight went, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. The defense was such a problem for him. Now, you know, can he, can he clean that up? Sure. Can he get better? Absolutely. But I, like I said, I think I had already had concerns about the ceiling for Patty Pimblett and in, in where he was going to go. You know, I think we've reached that ceiling. Like, I'm serious. Like, I I don't know that he'll ever be because I listen, I looked at the top 15 lightweights yeah, in the world and there's not one guy I would pick him to beat. Not one. No, that's exactly right. And the guys uh, from his level up, like it, the only guys he's going to be, I think we can see very clearly it's going to be because of a matchup style versus style. Like he's just got a stylistically, you know, someone that obviously like doesn't have her left hand <laughs> very good <laughs> and doesn't use it very well. And someone that um, Patty can out grapple, but again, like he didn't really even grapple that much, which is really threw me off. And I would love to see Jared Gordon. Um, even he, he, clearly he doesn't have that one punch knockout power with that left hand. Maybe in the right, maybe not. But I wouldn't like to see him follow up with it a little more. He was landing it a lot, but he was, just wasn't following up with it. He was kind of coming in, hitting that left hand, and then leaving that to be. And that's uh, uh, that's a mistake on Jared's part. You know, I think he probably could have hurt Patty a lot worse with a lot with some follow ups there. Yeah, like talking about Patty, you know, like you, you listen, I want to give you credit. Cause you saw this going in. Like you were probably one of the only people that honestly picked Jared Gordon to win that fight. Now, you know, you gotta, you gotta be proud of that because you, you saw something in Patty and Jared is particularly, but you saw something in Patty that, that maybe a lot of people weren't seeing. Now I've said, and I've been on the record saying that I, again, and I said, now I think there is a ceiling on Patty Pimblett, how far he can go. He's not Connor. We've said this a million times. Stop making that comparison. He's not Connor McGregor. And Connor McGregor's fourth fight in the UFC, he was fighting Dustin Poirier. You know what I mean? He's not. His second fight, he's fighting yeah. Max Holloway. That's not Patty Pimblett. <laughs> yeah, Patty Pimblett is not there. Dude. So he's not going to be there. He, I, don't think, I don't think he'll ever be a champion. I don't think he's ever going to be a top contender, especially at lightweight, because lightweight is a snake pit. But... I thought maybe we'd see a couple more of these wins and then he would eventually get to, you know, let's say a Hanato Moicano who's like number 15 in the UFC rankings right now. And I think Moicano would just, I mean, I think Moicano would destroy Patty Pimblett, but I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought he'd go a little bit further before we fully got him exposed. I think he's been exposed already. He lost this fight. He did not win this fight. Yeah. No, I thought that he would show more things. Um, like really like a lot of what I was picking Jared based on was Patty's inexperience. Like he's a young kid still. And I thought that, you know, Patty would do some great things. And then, um, you know, Jared just being a, a more experienced, uh, older fighter, you know, uh, he's got a lot of age on him. You know, I figured I kind of thought that Jared would be able to find some holes and things like that. Um, I, I didn't see as much potential in Patty as I'd expected. Like, I just didn't see 
uh, 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 like a lot of things, uh, like things, so many things in his game are so far behind that he almost has to go back to the drawing board and start from scratch and, you know, go back to cage warriors a little bit and then try again almost um, because he's in, like you said, he's in the snake pit now. Um, if they move him up, I mean, I don't think they're going to move him up. I don't think after that performance, I think he stays down, you know, fighting the 20 to 30 guys, maybe even uh, lower than that. Um, I think I just looked a little bit, a little bit ago. I think, uh, dude, even the the twenty to thirty and the thirty to thirty five guys in this weight class are just killers. Like he's gonna have a very hard time. Uh, but look, more power to him. He built a great social media brand for whatever reason. I tweeted it the other day. I said I don't know why people like this guy. I don't get it. Maybe I'm a fucking old grump. Maybe I'm an old man. Maybe I'm a boomer. <laughs> whatever. Call me what you want, right? But look, I don't get like the personality hype that everybody likes about him. Um, but people do. So good for him he's going to have to capitalize on that the best he can. That seems like that's what he's doing. He's not going to do it based off of his performances in the octagon. They're probably going to move him down. In my opinion, I think that's the move. If you're trying to keep Patty alive and and keep uh, uh, utilizing his hype for the UFC uh, machine is if you move him up, he's going to get fucking molly whopped. <laughs> Moicano makes a, you know, doesn't even have to train for that fight. <laughs> I mean, what was his, his last fight? He came in on short notice, right? Mojano. Yeah. yeah. I think it was his last one, right? I mean, he's he literally doesn't even have to train, and he beats Patty any way that he wants. So Patty has a tough road ahead of him, but uh, I think it's pretty – maybe not obvious. I don't know. Like, he's he's got the social media brand. And that, that's all there is to it, right? He's got the social media band. He's not going to be a world-class fighter. He's not going to be a top 10 guy. Um, but he's still young, too. So we can sit here and say that all we want. What is he, 22, I think? No, he's, he's 20, 27. Oh, is he 27? I thought 27, he was younger than yeah, that. He's, yeah, he's just young. I mean, like I said, he seems I, – I had the same mistake. He is. He does seem younger. Yeah, he's 27 going on 28, I think. I think he turns Ooh. 28 pretty soon. Oh, man, I had that way off. Um yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, man, I even did my research on that and I completely fucked it up. So <laughs> <laughs> young, young All for right. UFC. I mean, that's his only his fourth fight in the UFC. And again, one thing I will give Patty credit for, we talked about this last week was, you know, when the UFC originally came in for an offer for him, he turned it down and said, I'm not ready. Maybe he should have continued to turn down that offer because I'm still not sure he's ready. I mean, listen, credit to him for beating Jordan Levitt, credit to him for beating uh, you know, Carlos Varga, and credit to him for beating Luigi Vindramini. Uh two of those guys are no longer in the UFC, and I think they had a combined like three and eight record or something. So it's not like he was fighting top competition. Jared Gordon was probably the first really legitimate guy he fought. And he didn't win. And and that's what I said. I, I honestly believe we've reached the ceiling on Patty Pimpley, because it's not like he's it's not like he's completely inexperienced you know what i mean like he's got 20 some odd fights on his record now again most of that was outside the ufc but you get four fights in we start to get a pretty good idea who you're gonna be now i'm not saying you can't improve i was one guy i was 100 wrong on in the past and i've I've said this to him personally because i love the guy when michael bisping lost a couple of those number one contender fights i said i don't think michael bisping's ever going to be a champion he just couldn't quite get over that hump he proved me wrong, and I'm glad he proved me wrong because I love Michael Bisping, one of my favorite people in this sport. I absolutely adore that dude, and I was so happy I was wrong that he got over that hump and became a UFC champion because I just honestly, it's like he kept coming. He kept getting right to that moment 
and then he lose to Chelsea. He get right to that moment he lost Luke Rockhold and all those kind of things. I was like, man, he just might not. He might not just be that guy. And he did. He proved me wrong. Maybe Patty Pimblett will prove me wrong. Maybe Patty Pimblett will improve dramatically in four fights from now. We're talking about him being a legitimate top 10 contender. But based on what I've seen, based on his performances, there's nothing I've seen that convinces me this guy's going to be anything more than. I mean, being honest, Molly McCann, his teammate, Molly McCann built hype, two big back elbow knockouts, had the whole world screaming for her. They threw her in there against Aaron Blanchfield, Blanchfield and she got absolutely demolished. Aaron Blanchfield yeah. ran through her like a buzzsaw. That, to me, is Patty Pimblett. You got to be careful with that, too, because Aaron Blanchfield is fucking legit, oh, too. No, <laughs> you know? she's, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I said this on Saturday night. I said, like, but could you imagine? I mentioned Waikano as an example. Armin Sarukian, J- uh, Jalen Turner. I mean, good God. Could you imagine Patty against any of those? Dan Hooker. I mean, Dan Hooker's been on a bit of a bad run lately, but would you want to put Dan Hooker in there against Patty Pimblett? Well, when I looked through all the Twitter replies and things about Patty, that's the five most people were calling for. If they're, they're talking about if Patty's going up, Hooker's about the only guy that really makes sense for him where he has a chance of winning. And I don't think he has a chance of winning that one. I don't think he does either. It's a very <laughs> slim chance, if even that. Um, he's going to have to show a lot more than he showed last weekend, that's for sure. He better not go get fat. He better stay in <laughs> fucking camp and improve his goddamn – uh, for one, his left, because Dan Hooker has a fucking left hook. I sparred with the guy. That dude has some good power that surprises me how little we've actually seen it in the octagon because when I felt it live in sparring versus what I've seen in, in the octagon, I'm very surprised because he has a, a lot more power than he shows. Um, that's why I said that, you know, they're, they're going to keep Patty down. They're going to, they're gonna you know, I'm thinking like a Terrence McKinney, maybe a Drew Dober. Um, I don't. I think those. I think both those which, guys are. Those are terrible. Oh, I think both those I, guys. I don't. Let me be clear. I don't think Patty has a lot of guys in the UFC that he beats left. You know, unless he goes like way down. You know, but debut guys and or you know they bring in guys for him to lose to or or you know guys that just they know match up terribly with him things like that. Anybody with a decent name like Patty was co-main event. If they're going to put him at co-main event again, you know, he doesn't want to go down on the slot, right? So he wants to stay at least co-main event or main event. He's got to fight somebody with enough name for that to make sense. If he fights with somebody with enough name, there's nobody out there for him to beat. You can go down the whole list of every lightweight. There's nobody for him to beat, I don't think. The but when you talk but when you talk about, you know, the ranking and then he, you know, him going down the only guys that make sense to me would be like Dober and McKinney. They're big enough names to put in a co-main event or main event, but he actually has a chance. And, you know, not to me, he doesn't have a chance, but, you know, it's a UFC fight, you know, so he does have a chance. I think he probably has a better chance with McKinney than with uh, uh, Dober, but, you know, those are, those are just the two names that, that popped up in my head. Maybe you have different opinions on that. I mean, I don't really know a name, to be honest, because uh, I think McKinney sparks him in one. I mean, McKinney's got one punch knockout power. If he has has those defensive problems 
with Terrence McKinney, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about, man, man, I feel really bad for Patty Pimblett after he got knocked out like that. And Drew Dober, you train with Drew Dober. I know Drew Dober. That dude is a monster. He doesn't, Patty Pimblett, if that name comes across his contract, he might want to just move back to England and stay there and say he's not coming back because he does not <laughs> want that fight. He does not no, want. I, I agree. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think they Patty would be a massive underdog against either of them. But when I just think about the next matchup, it's got to be somebody below him, right? And it's got to yeah. be someone with a big enough name to carry a co-main. Those are the only two names I could come up with. Here's the other problem I had with Patty over the weekend, because listen, when the fight is over and you know, you know, you've been part of close fights, you know, and you believe in your heart of heart, you won. And, and I get that. And I can believe that Patty believes he won the fight. I get it. But I don't know how much you watch the post-fight stuff, but it seemed like really smug in some of the responses, like basically saying, I know I won the fight. Rewatching it, he thought he won all three rounds. Like, without question, he thought he won all three rounds. When someone asked him about the weight-cutting stuff, which you brought up and made a major point about, and I think you were absolutely 100% spot on, his only response was like, fuck off. Like, you know, I don't care. I don't care what you say. I don't care. Now, Maybe this is all public and he's just doing it for show. And as you said, he's a social media superstar. Maybe he's all doing it for clicks and likes and whatever, and just trying to get more attention. And maybe, you know, after this fight, he's going to have a serious discussion with a nutritionist and buckle down and do all the things we talked about him doing. But publicly, the problem I have with Patty is I don't think he's learning. Like he looked at that fight with Jared Gordon and essentially like the way he spoke about it made it sound like he thought he dominated that fight. Like right. he's like, I won. I clearly won. There's no doubt in my mind I won. And rewatching, I think I won all three rounds. No, I don't care about my weight cut. Tell people fuck off. You don't have to get me. You don't get to ask me about my weight cutting stuff. That's a. If you don't realize your own deficiencies and where you're coming up short, how are you ever going to get better? Who's holding him accountable? Right. You know what I mean? Like right. who's and holding him accountable? I don't know what I don't know what his true thoughts are. But it, I mean, if you think about it, like again, he is a social media guy. That's his forte. You know his really his hobby is fighting right his he's a professional social media guy his hobby is fighting like what else would he say right he doesn't have a, a real answer for it um, of course he's gonna go ahead and go with the narrative that he won you know if he admits defeat then it makes him look worse so you know just that and and it makes us sit here and talk about it more right that's all that he really wants right he wants some more clicks he wants some more views he's a social media professional He's an amateur fighter. So anyway, what I'm getting at is, dude, like I wouldn't expect him to say anything different publicly. The only way he's going to improve is if he goes back and does some soul searching, you know, in his room by himself, not on social media, not on YouTube, not on whatever TikTok fucking shit that he's famous <laughs> on. But he searches deep within himself. Um and make some real changes. Now that's going to require him to accept that those are really, or, or he's going to have to decide that this is what he wants. You know, he's going to have to say, do I want to be a social media superstar or do I want to be a fighter? He's going to have to lay off the social media, you know, spend a little more time and energy. That's why I was never big on social media while I was fighting, uh, you know, at least fighting like three or four times a year. That's why we didn't do podcasts, right? We did our one podcast. I was like, dude, I can't keep doing this. Like, I'm getting ready for fights, man. I can't, I can't do this. And like, I don't, I didn't have time to do anything else. Like, I barely had time to spend with my own freaking kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
So when these guys, when I see, that's what kind of makes me wonder about all of them. Like I see them putting so much time and energy into these other things. It's like, dude, where's your head at? Some guys like Sean O'Malley, he's done a great job at balancing the two somehow. Maybe he's got a team doing his social media. I don't know all the details, but uh, he seemed to have balanced it really well. Very talented kid. Good for him. But I think that you know you have to go all in on fighting if you're going to be a fighter. You have to get sacrifice everything else, make the most that you can out of it, and then focus on the next thing. Yeah, and and listen, again, I'll be honest. Like It could all be just for social media, but based on the performances and based on, you know, what, I mean, listen, you talked about it before the fight, like when he, um, you know, when he shows that he's gained like, you know, 30 or he gained 50 pounds. He was weighing like 205 pounds between fights. When you look at photos, he's not lying. Like that's not for social media. He, you can tell he's blown up between fights. There's a, you mentioned it, it's a discipline problem. He's not going to, he's never going to compete with these top guys. And I, maybe, listen, Maybe he'll never compete with them because ultimately he's just not that good. Like, maybe that's just a reality, and that's okay. Listen, I get it. Not everyone's going to be a champion. Not everyone's going to be a top 10 guy. Not everyone's going to be a fighter who could put 14 years in the UFC, like, let's say, a, a legend such as yourself. Uh, that's okay. Not everyone's going to do that, and that's fine, okay? That's totally okay. But, like I said, um, I don't get that. I don't think there's enough humility built into Patty Pimblett that he that he doesn't believe that. Like I think in his heart of hearts, he believes he's going to be a UFC champion. And Ooh. there's a huge gap. There's a huge gap between his 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 mindset and reality. You know what I mean? Like when Connor I think said, we, with, "We kind of talk about this with uh, this generation a lot," and again, probably going back to sounding like a boomer, or sounding like a <laughs> old man, or whatever, but. You know, a, a lot of these guys, and I don't know Patty or story or anything, but I have to wonder if he's kind of got to all this success that he has got from uh, not really such hard work, right? Like social yeah. media and stuff, which I don't, I don't know how much work he put into that. I know some social media guys who worked very hard at it, and um, I spoke with Roman Atwood once about this, right? And he was talking about the, you know, he put in 14, 15 hours learning, you know, building better edits and you know, learning the art of being a social media guy. I don't know if Patty did all that, um, but I'm going to assume that he probably didn't because I'm a boomer. So I'm going to assume that he has <laughs> kind of got all of this success by not working hard. And that's going to carry over into his fight life, right? How you do anything is how you do everything. So he's going to feel like he's doing all the right things. He's winning fights. Why do I need to add more to it? Now, if he can go back, and this is exactly what I was saying a minute ago. If he can, if he can go back, do some soul searching, decide, look, I do want to be a champion and I'm going to live like I want to be a champion. I'm going to sacrifice like a champion. I'm going to dedicate like a champion that he, every, everybody has a chance. You know, he, he has enough athletic potential for that. I think would, I don't know for sure, but he have probably has enough, but he's going to have to change a lot of things in his life, the discipline, the sacrifice, the dedication, the focus, etc. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. 
Canva.com, designed for work. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Um, Kind of going off on this with the Patty Pimblet stuff, I want to talk about the judging because, you know, we sit here and there's a lot of criticism coming towards Patty Pimblet. Also want to pay a lot of compliments to Jared Gordon for an incredible performance. He won. I had him 30-27, at worst 29-28. He won that fight. Um, we talk about robberies a lot. You know, I, I thought, you know, people freaked out with the Sean O'Malley, Piotr Jan fight. And I disagreed. I said, that was just a close fight. Like I actually scored it for O'Malley. I don't have a problem. If you scored for Piotr Jan, it was a close fight. This wasn't that this wasn't right. a close fight. This was, a, this was a robbery. And I know a lot of people are bringing up Doug Crosby because Doug Crosby also had that crazy scorecard on Friday night at Bellator where he scored Danny Sabatella winning 50-45, one of the worst scorecards I can ever remember seeing in mixed martial arts. He suddenly goes from Connecticut, flies across the country to Las Vegas, and ends up scoring the Patty Pimblett jared Gordon fight. He scores at 29-28 for Patty Pimblett, gave Patty Pimblett both the first and second round, which to me... <laughs> Was was Jared Gordon for sure. Um, but also I want to call it Chris Lee and Ron McCarthy. They were the other two judges. A lot of people are focused on Doug Crosby. I also want to mention Chris Lee and Ron McCarthy because this wasn't a split decision. This was a unanimous decision and an egregiously bad decision. And you mentioned on Twitter, Matt, and that's why I want to bring it up now. You talk about like we talk about the judging and how bad it is in terms of like the scoring and, and are they following criteria, all that kind of stuff. We forget sometimes the harsh reality for the other side, meaning the fighters. Jared Gordon got half his purse. Dana handed out bonuses to every fighter who got a finish, and he gave fight of the night to Dracus Duplessis and Darren Till. So Jared Gordon didn't get a bonus. He gets a loss on his record in the biggest, most high-profile fight of his career. You mentioned how much a win would have meant to Jared Gordon on Saturday mm -hmm. night. Not only would he got obviously half his paycheck, which is, you know, financially the biggest thing. He, he, he still doesn't get a bonus based on the criteria that the UFC set forth on, on Saturday night, but he still, he gets his, he gets his money. He gets a high profile win over a, a superstar like Patty Pimblett. He gets a co-main event slot. Now, Maybe they call controversy. Guess what? Maybe they run it back. He gets an even bigger payday and they do a main event with Patty Pimblett. Maybe he gets that. He wins. His next fight's a co-main event. Maybe he gets the top 15 guy. He gets another high profile fight. Jared Gordon is not Patty Pimblett in terms of star power. So imagine how much a win for him does. Now, I'm not saying it all goes away because there's going to be a little bit of buzz for this next like week to 10 days, maybe two weeks where people are going to say you got robbed. You, you didn't deserve this, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? It all goes away after that. You know what I mean? He gets yep. completely, for lack of a better word, he gets completely fucked by the judges here. That's and exactly no, right. And there's no repercussion for them. None. That, that's exactly right. Nothing. Their lives don't change one bit. And the, you know, we live in a fast moving information age, right? Like you said, uh, and Patty said it himself, like, the history books are going to have a W for Patty. That's what we're going to remember uh, a couple months from now. 
maybe me, people like me and you, we might look back a couple of years from now. Oh, I remember that bullshit decision. 99.9% of the people are going to look back and say, dude, Patty won. Like, we don't care about what the fucking judges said. You know what I mean? So, and, and then the one part, I, I don't have a whole lot to add to that Twitter post, you know, like that was pretty much, you know, about it. Except the only thing I could add is like, look, what about sponsors too? You know, you go in, you win a big co-main event, like more sponsors are going to look at you. You know, there's, there's so many pieces to this. That, um, and, and look, say Jared Gordon goes and wins his next two fights. What are they going to say? Oh, he's two and one in his last three rather than three and oh. I don't know how many fights he has left on his contract, but that's, uh, you know, when he starts negotiating his next contract, that's going to uh, play a factor in that. There's so many future things that this plays a factor in. I've won and lost my fights. I know, you know, uh, the differences here. The losses affect long-term. It's not overnight. Okay, we're cool. I mean, we're warriors, right? Like we get up the next day and we fucking you know, get ready for the next thing. That's cool. We can handle it mentally. But the positive rewards that come out of a win, especially a win like that, it w- wouldn't have been too different from when I fought Wonder Boy, right? And I won. You know, if, what if they would have gave him that decision? Like, by, certainly the rest of my career would have been completely different. Uh, the rest of his career would have been different. Um, everything, A lot of things would have been different. So I've been in a, a similar situations. Um, I've had bad judging before, and I mean, I yeah, I don't I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I mean, that is exactly what the, it's fucking bullshit, man. And the judges, what do they do? They go home and they sleep at night. They get paid the same. They get the uh, uh, no accountability. I'm glad that you're saying their names. That's one thing I would like that. I'm glad you're saying names. That's what we need to do: is start putting their fucking names out there putting their social media out there. They need to be hearing at minimum. They need to be hearing from the fans and the fighters, media, whatever, putting their names on blast. And look, when it's a decision that bad, like there's some that, you know, like you said, Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley. I had it for Yan. I don't know if I, like, it was like borderline robbery in my opinion, but like, I can't see how you give it to Sean. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I take it back. I can kind of see how you give it to Sean, but I totally had Jan winning. So that's a little different. Of one like this, it was egregious. Like there's no other word for it, right? It is, this was a fucking bullshit decision. And, and the judges need to be held accountable. 100%. That's my biggest issue that it never changes. Like I'm not even talking about like in the criteria. Because based on the criteria, Jared Gordon won. Everyone knows George Jared Gordon won. Everyone except apparently, apparently Patty Bimblett knows that Jared Gordon won that fight. So I'm not even talking about like you know how they scored the fight because that's that's a whole other conversation and we can talk about that for days. But what about these three judges? They just go on and they fight. They they're going to score fights this weekend. They're going to score fights next weekend. Yeah. There's no accountability. And I've said this forever. Like, and here's here's the part that really really pisses me off, Matt. When referees make bad calls, consistently bad calls, we don't see them anymore. Now, to be fair, obviously referees are, are toying with fighters' careers in terms of safety. We understand that. Like a, a fight, a guy who doesn't stop a fight doesn't know when to stop a fight. 
he either can get you seriously injured or, you know, we've seen cases where guys get, you know, fights stopped where they're not even hurt or they're not caught in a submission. They get stopped. But so we've seen referee like where when's the last time you saw Eve Levine referee a fight in the UFC? I don't know if he wants to referee fights anymore. Right. I'm just saying like when's the last Steve Mazzagotti, that's the famous one. Everyone knows that Kim Winslow's another one. Like there's referees we know have made really bad calls consistently and they're just gone. Now, again, maybe they just choose to walk away, but they're gone. Like they just get like they're gone from our memories because they were bad. Judges don't do that. I never see judges just suddenly go away. Doug Crosby has been consistently one of the worst judges in mixed martial arts for a decade. And he's still scoring high profile fights like this. He scored a title fight on Friday, flew across the country to score the co-main event in the UFC on Saturday. Why? Like that's the problem. If, if there's if there's a judge out there who's giving these egregiously bad decisions consistently, then like I remember talking to Frank Trigg, who is a, a referee in California now, and we were talking on the podcast months ago, and I said we were talking about more fighters getting involved in the in the judging and refereeing side because he's doing it. Shaolin Hibero, if you remember him, he's doing refereeing now, things like right. that. And, and Trigg told me that one of the reasons it's so hard is Andy Foster in the California Commission, who I think is the gold standard of commissions in this, in this industry, he requires them to go through thousands of hours of training in terms of like doing amateur shows, doing you know, the, the small regional circuits, blah, 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 before you get to do UFC and Bellator and things like that. Now, I'm not saying that Nevada and these other commissions are not giving them training and things like that, but... If Doug Crosby watched Danny Sabatello and Raytheon Stotts and gave that a 50-45, then watched uh, Patty Pimblett and Jared Gordon gave that a 29-28 to Patty Pimblett with both the first and second round going to Patty Pimblett, then this dude shouldn't be scoring big fights. Send him back to the regional circuit. Now, I'm not saying the regional fighters don't deserve better, but I'm saying, like, send him back down, let him get experience on amateur fights where the, the wins and losses don't really matter or or whatever. <laughs> And if he can prove himself over the next year that he's worthwhile to bring back, then bring him back. But the fact that there's no repercussion for this, you know what I mean? Like, we're not going to hear Doug Crosby got suspended or got knocked down or he'll be back next weekend. All these, there's always like this circle of like 20 judges and they're all, and not all of them are bad. Let me be clear. Not all the judges are bad, but these judges, like, like Chris Lee, Ron McCarthy, and, and Doug Crosby, how do you account for this? How do you account for such a terrible, terrible decision that just took away Jared Gordon's money, took away opportunities from Jared Gordon? How do you justify this? Man, yeah, what a lot of great points there. And I don't know for sure, but I've thought about this before. One solution helpful solution i've always been an advocate for open scoring since uh, the beginning you know since i first heard about the idea i've always been an advocate for that but when we talk about the referees getting i mean we absolutely uh, you know whether social media or um publicly on podcasts whatever on um, the media you know they get ran through the dirt when they make bad decisions and um, i theorize that there's a little a little aspect of because their face and their body is being shown on the TV screen. Whereas the judges are really in the shadows. Like, I don't even know what Doug Crosby and McCarthy and all these guys, I don't even know what they look like, you know, and I've been to fights. I don't even know where they're sitting in, in the fights. You know, I don't know who's a judge, like who's just a, a bystander or whatever. I don't know who these guys are. I don't know anything about them. 
but we know Herb Dean. We know, and we know who Herb Dean is and what he is, what he's about. Like, like we know a lot about him or Steve Mazzagatti or um, Dan Mergliata. Like we know these guys, they're characters that are like integrated into the sport and a part of the sport. When these guys are in the shadows, I think it kind of gives them a little bit of, I don't know, something, you know, a wall like in between us and them. And I think if we took that out, I think it would help like show them, you know, put a little screen, do an open scoring, show a little screen of that guy sitting there, you know, or his face or something of him showing the score. I would also like to see them have to justify the score. You know, I mean, I have a million different ideas for, for all these things. Um, and, you know, I don't want to have to get into it too much today. We can take an entire podcast talking about ideas and, I, you know, I maybe maybe we'll do that someday and, you know, we'll write them down and do it thoroughly and all the way through. But um, I think there's a lot of different ideas. And the biggest issue with this whole thing is I think like, no, there's no evolution, right? There, there's no, like, it's just, it's, it's so 10, nine and that's it. You know, like there's, I mean, that we, I know we evolved the criteria a little bit, but half the fucking criteria is subjective, you know? And, and I, I'll add to this. I don't necessarily think that fighters getting involved in the judging and refereeing, refereeing is necessarily the solution either. I know that I hear this all the time, like, oh, get the fighters in there. Like just because they have the experience fighting, just like a great fighter doesn't make a great coach necessarily. It doesn't make a good judge or referee either. And and trust me, if you put Damian Maya in there judging, he's going to give a 10-9 to the guy who does jujitsu every fucking time, <laughs> right? Even if he got his ass beat on the feet. If you put Anderson Silva, he's going to give it to the guy who's doing the Muay Thai. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of bias. There's a, If you put Matt Hughes in there, he's going to give it to the wrestler, right? Like this is there, – there's tons of problems with uh, having fighters do it, um, and, and their bias is just scratching the surface of it. No, you're absolutely right, and and also you know just to just to bring that up when I say wrestler, like I was talking specifically about Trig because he's doing it in California. But you're right, that's not an all that's not an easy that's not an automatic fix. The bigger problem though, ultimately, is is that you're right. It's not gotten better. Like even with like they try to improve the criteria to make it clear cut and saying now, you know, damage, striking, and submissions are number one across the board, and then only if that is even, only if that is dead even. Do you go to other criteria like aggressiveness so and octagon? Nobody does it. Nobody does that. Nobody well, it's is so and, ridiculous. So even just take that first criteria right there, damage. Like, what do you call damage? Yeah. Like, I punched Brian Bar I punched Brian Barberino harder than fuck. I thought like I'd probably damaged him, but he looked at me like a fucking caveman. You know, he was like, Well, what'd you do that for? You know? Like, but I'm like, so do you consider that damage or not? Right now. Let's say, for instance, uh, just that particular fight. He hit me back. I got cut. He barely touched me, though. And that's why it cut, because it grazed me. He didn't actually damage a single thing. But the judges are going to see a cut, and they're like, oh, well, that's damage. Whereas I punched him harder than shit, and and it probably caused more long-term damage to his livelihood. Right? But So which one is damage? Well, the judge is going to see you know, some silly little cut as damage. So damage is, and some people, they just mar up easier, right? Some Absolutely. people just simply bruise easier. 
I mean, how many fights have we seen where guys get the shit beat out of them and their face doesn't even look that bad? And you're like, dude, like, how did that happen? And then you see uh, someone else that gets the shit, not even beat out of them that bad, and their face looks like they've been through a five-round war. So, you know, well, damage look is at, such a look at look at uh, look at Wonderboy Kevin Holland. If you put those two guys next to each other after that fight, you'd one hundred percent think Wonderboy got his ass kicked because he had cuts all over his face, bruised up. He looked beat up. Kevin Holland looked complete like he looked like he hadn't been in a fight. But you watch the fight, and Wonder Boy was, you know, beating him across one side of the octagon to the other, especially the third and fourth round. But based on right. damage, you know, damage, Wonder Boy looked like he went through the. He looked like he fucking fought a cheese grater, and and Holland Perfect. looked like he didn't. You know what I mean? Like, how do you grade that? Yeah, it's such I a subjective. It's such a subjective term. It's just such a subjective term, and and you watch that fight. Gordon was blasting Patty. Now, again, I said give credit to Patty for having a good chin. But if we're talking damage, yeah, Jared had a couple cuts. He looked a little more beat up. But does right. that mean he had more damage? No, he did far more damage to Patty Pimblett. Patty Pimblett was just able to survive better. Are we going to give him points for surviving? Like, is that where we're right. at now? <laughs> right. Or what if, like, I, you know, I kick your leg 20 times and you're barely able to walk, but you punch my face once or twice and I'm cut up and bruised up. You know, it's like, well, who did more damage? You know, like you're not walking in the third round. You know, even but what you what are you going to see? You're you're not going to see, uh, or, or even even like leg kicks. Like that's a, I mean, that's a perfect example where like, okay, it looks damaging, but I landed with the foot, so it really just slapped, and your skin's going to burn pretty bad. And um, versus, you know, Edson Barboza throws a kick and lands with the shin, and you know the guy is tougher than shit and isn't really showing any uh, signs of it hurting him, but it actually is, right? And he dug it in deep, and you don't hear no slap or anything because he landed with the shit. I mean, we could go on all day about this. I mean, it's, it's just a fucking – the most subjective thing I've ever seen, and that's the top scoring criteria is damage. I, my fight with Carlos Condit, I think, was a perfect example. A lot of uh, – two or three of the judges gave him the first round. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> they, probably based off damage. My eye got cut from the cage. Like I took him down against the cage. My eye landed on the cage or hit the cage, got cut. And they're probably basing it on that. So I look like I just got my ass kicked in this round, but I controlled him the whole round. It's like, so, you know, this, the subjectiveness is absolutely insane. And it just goes so far. And that's their number one criteria. Yeah. So the judging, we, I mean, boy, we could go on. Like I said, we have to do a whole fucking podcast about this because it is such fucking bullshit. And then you're going to base it on, you know, on a black and white system coming from boxing 10, nine, but that's black and white, right? You won or you lost the round. That's absolutely ridiculous. Like there's, there's levels to winning and losing. I know that they have 10 eights, but it's pretty fucking rare and it's hard to get a 10 eight. And I mean, and that leads right into the main event, right? They gave a 10-8 for Ankalaev in the fifth round. You know, two of them didn't. So that, I mean, that goes to how far this is subjective, you know, and it changed the outcome of that fight. Yeah, it's 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 and it's really bizarre too because like that's another one like I I don't know I don't know if I I don't think I saw you scored I had a forty eight forty seven Ankalaev. 
I didn't really think it was that controversial of a scorecard. I thought he won round one. I thought Jan won round two and three with the leg kicks. You talk about leg kicks. He was taking Ankalaev's legs out. But then Ankalaev turned to his wrestling and his grappling, and Jan got stuck underneath him for rounds four and five. I really didn't think it was that hard of a fight to score. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, and I'm fine. A lot of people are saying round one was closer than that. I thought Ankalaev won. I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't like a blowout, but I didn't think it was like super controversial. To say that Ankalaev won round one, I thought, again, Jan won round two and three pretty clearly, and I thought Ankalaev won four and five pretty clearly. I mean, on that on that criteria, I thought it was pretty easy to score that fight, and they're all over the board. I mean, Jan, Jan had a win on one scorecard, and then the other one, he would have won if not for that 10-8 in the fifth. The other judge mm-hmm. had him up 3-1, and if not for that 10-8 fifth, it would have been Jan Blachowicz's champion. Now, that's not a knock on Jan, but... That scoring's like all over the board. And that to me was, I mean, that was right along with the Jared Gordon fight where it's like, I didn't think it was really that hard to score. <laughs> right, right. And again, I don't necessarily think fighters, I don't think the answer is burning fighters in judging or in refereeing, but consulting with fighters. And this is why I say this, because we could, we walk out of that fight with Jan saying, Uncle, I have won. Him literally looking at him and saying, no, you fucking won this fight. Oh, and and I'm mad props to Jan for that, right? Like, how many yeah. people have you ever seen that in any fight? Nonetheless, a world championship fight. So, you know, bow down to Jan for that. Goddamn. Um, there's something that judges, especially guys that have never trained, do not understand. And I think me and you have talked about this before. When you go into a round, nine times out of ten, you know if you won that round. Now, there's a lot that are very close, but there's a feeling inside of yourself just like in a sparring round or anything, like even even if it was close, like you know if you were ahead or behind. You may not know what the judges think. This is why I'm an advocate for open scoring. You may not know exactly what the judges think, but you have a feeling of like whether you're ahead of the guy, whether you're behind the guy, like kind of like do I have his timing? Do I have his rhythm? Am I landing what I'm trying to land? Am I moving where I want to move when I want to move? Am I accomplishing what I want to accomplish? And this is something without these – judges ever have experience fighting some of them probably don't even have experience training without that experience you're never going to truly understand that and that needs to be somehow expressed to them so that again they don't necessarily need to be fighters but they need to understand that sort of dynamic between two fighters knowing if they won and lost and yeah, it was- i don't know if does that make sense no, it does. It absolutely does. It's like, and, and you know, and like I said, you have to be able to know, you have to be able to truly understand what you're seeing in there. Like I said, just because Patty Pimblett can absorb a strike better than Jared Gordon in terms of like eating a punch and walking through, it doesn't mean that it takes away the power of that punch. You know I mean? It doesn't negate right. Jared Gordon landing the better punches just because Patty can eat it and keep moving forward. Um, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like it doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm talking about. Like, like you talked about with the cuts and things like that, like damage is subjective. Just like that. Like if you see a guy with cuts all over his face, well, yeah, he got more damage. Really? Did he get more damage or is he like Nate and Nick Diaz? where they just have a huge amount of scar tissue and you literally breathe on them and they start bleeding. Like there's some guys like that. Like that's just how the nature of, you know, when you're a grizzled veteran, scar tissue and things builds up you could get a, a light tap and suddenly you're bleeding you know what i mean or head clashes all kinds of things cause cuts that have nothing to do with you taking a big punch or a kick or anything like that um you, they don't just like, like in pigmentation right like yeah like these very pale these very pale fighters like you see the redness you see the 
um, the blue or the, you know, the black eyes, the redness and, and, and redness. And um, you see all this much more clearly. Yeah. And so understanding it and, and you know, understanding and knowing what you're watching and listen, I understand there's going to be close decisions. I, I, I admit that I've seen plenty where I'm like, man, I don't, man, that's a tough one to score. I get that. But none, I, there's so many instances where that's not the case, where we got a Patty Pimblet, Jared Gordon situation, or even Ankaliyev, Jan Blahovich, where it seems pretty clear who won. And when you, and listen, also, you mentioned credit to Jan Blahovich, huge credit to Jan Blahovich. I mean, good lord, he basically said, "Give him the belt. He won. Give him the belt." Yeah. I mean, what a what a freaking dude! Right, that is right there to just be like, you know what? I I don't feel like the winner. Give him the belt like that. That talk about the complete opposite of Patty Pimblet. So they're saying I won all three rounds. And I definitely won this fight. But Jan Blahovich is like, nope, I didn't get it. He won. Give him the belt. Like you know, obviously they're not going to do that. But dude, what a what a freaking amazing you know gesture to go out there and at least say that because he didn't, he didn't feel he won the fight yet. The judges are saying it was a draw or whatever. I just, it, it's the, the judging is so, and again, like it's consistently bad across the board. It, you feel like, yeah. like when you see this and you see the scorecards come out and you mention it and listen, I'm not trying to make anyone's life harder, but when you're messing with people's livelihood and their paychecks and things like that, you should be called out for that. And so we all, all the time on Twitter and social media, we tend to say the judges got it wrong. The judges didn't score it properly. The judges didn't get this. Call it out by name, man. Doug Crosby, Ron McCarthy, Chris Lee, the guys in the Patty Pimblet fight, they need to be called out by name. You know what I mean? How are we going to – because I remember – do you remember – do you know a referee by the name of Jaron Vallel? Do you know that name? No. He's a referee, and I think he judges too sometimes. He was in a couple of fights a few years ago in the UFC. It was a fight. There was one fight with Mark Munoz and one fight with Josh Koscheck where he literally let them get completely choked out unconscious, and they were bubbling spit from their mouth because they were so unconscious and choked out, and he, and he didn't stop the fight. And I said, this guy does not need to ever be a referee again. And every time I see him now – I call it out and I say, Oh God, Jaron Vallel's a referee. Here goes something crazy because, and I would say eight times out of 10, I'm right. Cause something weird happens, but people start remembering that because I mentioned him by name. So often my followers on Twitter, are like, Oh yeah, that's the guy you talked about three cards ago, blew something up. You know what I mean? We got to call this out. Doug Crosby's getting a lot of attention right now because he blew two cards this weekend. But yeah. again, and this is, I'm not trying to make Chris Lee and Ron McCarthy's job any harder, but the reality is, is you just made Jared life, Jared Gordon's life harder by taking away a win from him. You know what I mean? You just, they, they, they literally booked a title fight on the fly on Saturday night to give Glover to share and Jamal Hill a month from now in Brazil. They're going to fight for the light heavyweight title because the judges couldn't figure out that Magomed and Goliath won that fight. Now, Dana White can complain and say it was the most exciting fight in the world. I actually kind of disagree. I actually thought it was a pretty good fight. I didn't think it was like a barn burner, but I actually thought, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, but Ankoliev now, Ankoliev and Blahovitz are just out twisted in the wind. Neither one of them gets a title, and they're not even going to get to fight for the title again. Look what you did. I'm surprised Dana said it was a boring fight. I didn't hear him say that. Yeah, he said it was. He said he tuned out like after the third round. He didn't like it. He thought it was bad. I I disagreed. But regardless, yeah, it was a very tactical fight at minimum. I thought yeah, it was good. It was I didn't think it was a bad fight. I thought it was okay. Yeah, it wasn't a barn burner like you said, but there was like some twists and turns, and there was, you know, that's kind of like what I look for, you know, when I say a good fight, right? I'm not necessarily looking for it to be a barn burner and a, a knockout, 
brawl, but I like the ups and downs, the twists and turns, and the changes of tactics. I mean, that's what makes it a good fight. Like, can you get back to, you know, the tactic that was winning for you? And, you know, and that, that was exactly, you know, Uncle Iov was getting tore up in his legs and he had to switch up the tactic, you know, like that's what makes it a good fight. That's what makes him a good fighter is he's able he's diverse enough that he's able to pull out different tactics. I mean, to me, that's what makes a great fight. Um, but yeah, that really sucks for Anthony Smith now. Right. So, <laughs> you know, so that leaves him hanging. He's in the dry. Um, boy, that's a, I mean, that's tough. And now, and so, so because of that judging, like we were just talking about, it fucks uh, Jared Gordon. He gets fucked. And now it fucks Uncle Iov, Jan Blakowicz and Anthony Smith. Because of uh, one or maybe a couple of judges, yeah, we it's gotta crazy. Something. it's got, something's gotta change. To yeah, yeah, like it's it's ridiculous. It's even went this far. Like, like we knew that bad judging has been a problem for a long time, and again, I have never seen any real evolution. It just it uh, it just continues to be a problem, and I just don't see any evolution. Um, and that's what you know. A lot of people critique the open scoring idea, and I'm like. Dude, we already have shitty scoring. Like, <laughs> yeah. just try something. Like, like even if, even if it doesn't work out, like I think it will, and I think that I have. We've talked about this argument before, and um, I'm happy to debate it with anyone here, every every side. But like, can we try fucking something? Yeah, I mean, there's. Something. I mean, there's. I mean, the problem is, is and like even taking the open scoring out of it because I agree, I, I'm all for open scoring. I think it's a good idea. Um, I don't understand. Like we have, it feels like we have this argument like four times a year when there's a really bad scorecard, yeah. a really bad fight gets just completely fucked by the judging, and nothing ever changes. And we're always talking about these same people making these same bad decisions. Maybe it's not Doug Crosby every time. Maybe it's another guy or whatever. You know, however the case yeah, may be. But like, remember, like, here's a great example. Remember what was the boxing match? Was it, was it, I can't remember what it was. Was it the Canelo Triple G fight? Was it Adelaide Bird who had that really just horrendous scorecard? And they took her, they took her off of scoring for like one event and then she came right back. Like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, we know, Luke, we'd have a whole other discussion about boxing judging and that's a whole other discussion, but it's in general in judging is what I'm saying. Like nothing changes. There's never any repercussion. As I mentioned before, Eve Levine doesn't referee anymore. Steve Mazzagatti doesn't referee anymore. Uh, Kim Winslow doesn't referee anymore. Why? Cause they made so many bad calls. They're just like, we can't have them anymore. Judges don't face those repercussions. They just don't. And it's, it's ridiculous because as bad as it is when a referee makes a bad call and somebody gets hurt or something like that, that's awful. We all admit that's awful. But as you said, that's visual. We see it. And then they get, they get cast out like, you know, whatever. Um, judges don't have that. There's no repercussion. There's no, you know what, man, we're just not going to use you anymore. Like we're just, we, we're done with you. Like we just can't keep having this happen. We're not going to sanction you to be a judge in the state anymore. That never happens. At least none to my memory. Or can we just put them in front of a committee and be like, okay, let's watch this round. And you explain what you were seeing and tell me how you came to this fucking ridiculous conclusion, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Stand in front of Jerry Gore and explain to him how he lost that fight. Yeah, even if there's not a repercussion for it, like, look, buddy, we're not going to find you. We're, you're not going to sit out. You're not losing your job. But how about you explain this one? Like, can yeah. we start a YouTube with this where they just the, the the judges have to sit down? Maybe maybe we could get some on the podcast and we 
call them and we watch the fight with them. We say, okay, explain this round from, you know, I don't know, five years ago, whatever. Like, try to explain it, motherfucker. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And I've sat in, um, California does, I've sat in a couple of commission meetings where they actually have scoring meetings. Now, again, I think Andy Foster is the gold standard of, of commissions. And I remember I sat in when they've done scoring and they've had debates about scoring rounds, like how you score it. You know what I mean? Like, did you score it a 10, 8, 10, 9? Those kind of questions. And I love it because... I get a little different perspective about what they're seeing and how they're seeing it. And even though sometimes I disagree with it, but um, there's gotta be more. I mean, and I appreciate that that's happening, but there's gotta be more. And again, like you're taking away a guy's livelihood. You've just, you've just taken away so many opportunities from Jared Gordon by not giving him right. that win. You've taken away. I mean, Magomed Ankalaev, let's just say he should have won. Let's I don't, how did you, I don't remember if I asked you, how did you score that fight with Ankalaev and Blahovich? How did you have it? I don't hate the score as much as a lot of people do. Um, I had in Clive winning one, four, and five. Uh, but the fact that it ended up a draw, I think is understandable. Um, so I don't necessarily hate that one as much as everyone else. Um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, yeah, it, it was just. Not- yeah, but you ahead. and I, you and you and I had the same scoring, one, four, and five, right? So now, but let's just say Ankalaev. Now it's a draw, okay? So Ankalaev doesn't have a title, which means his next fight is not going to be a title fight. He's not going to get championship pay. You know what I mean? That's automatically higher pay when you're a champion. You don't get pay per view points. Maybe he fights. Mm-hmm. Imagine if Ankalaev wins this fight and he ends up fighting in the co-main event to John Jones and Francis Ngannou, and he gets pay per view points. That's life changing money. That's millions of yeah. dollars. Not going to get that I now. Mean, I think what you're, what you're getting at, look at Dominic Graves. Yeah. Right? Right? That's the perfect example, right? If if he beat John Jones that night, which I think a lot of people had him winning, um, I don't I don't know how bad that scorecard was. I didn't never I didn't ever watch that fight uh, that closely. But a lot of people called it a robbery. You know, say that he wins that fight. His life is completely different than it is now, right? Oh yeah, I mean dramatically different. I mean, yeah. So that's what I'm talking. And there's, you know what? And I'll be. I'm sitting here. You bring that fight. You're absolutely right. I scored that fight for Dominic Reyes. I did, and I've told him that many times, and I've said that publicly. And I listen. I praise John Jones. I call John Jones the greatest fighter in the history of mixed martial arts. But I thought he lost that fight. Um, I don't remember the judges' names from that fight. I mean, I don't. I can look it up, but I don't right. remember their names. You know what I mean? But we remember. We remember when referees make, but I just mentioned Jaron Vallejo. I know two fights in particular. He, yeah. he blew up and screwed up. I can't name you the judges who, who screwed up the John Jones, Dominic Reyes. And I guarantee you a month from now, I'll probably forget Ron McCarthy and Chris Lee's name because I know Doug Crosby. That's one that I've had on my radar forever is a bad judge, but you're absolutely right. Like we need to know these people. They need to be held accountable. If nothing else, they need to be held accountable in the court of public opinion because if, if Chris Lee and Ron McCarthy and Doug Crosby go out there and they score, uh, let's say the fight this weekend, Jared Jared Cannonier and, and, and Sean Strickland, it's another you know decision, and let's say Sean Strickland absolutely deserved the win, and they gave it to, J- to Jared Cannonier, and let's say one of the judges is Ron McCarthy. Shouldn't Ron McCarthy face some sort of repercussion? He gets two in a row like that, and he completely gets it wrong. I mean, Doug Crosby did it this past weekend with the Sabatello fight and, and now uh, Patty Piblet's fight. There's just nothing. I guarantee you Doug Crosby is going to be out there scoring fights next weekend or two weekends from now. You know what I mean? Like, there's no repercussion for these guys. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck do you do, right? How we can do sit here and talk about it, and that that's the uh, best we can do, man. But let's try to remember these motherfuckers' names and put them out there, like you said, in the court of public opinion. And um, that's why I do think, 
like just at minimum, like even just putting their faces up there, you know. I get, like that like, idea. Some, put them on camera. Yeah, just put so them we, when they say they always announce the judges. Them, put them on camera. Put a camera down there and show them who they are. Yeah, how about they announce their scorecard instead of Bruce <laughs> Buffer? I mean, <laughs> I don't, you know, something like just to build a memory with these guys, and you know, and you know, I wonder if there you kind of could look at who's judging your fight as a, as a fighter, right? And you kind of look and be like, okay, well, I know this guy is going to be a little biased towards this or a little biased towards this, and maybe that can help you even know kind of what you're getting into a little bit, maybe. I don't know I mean, about, I, you know. That- well, you get, you get, I know, you know, from the past, I remember this, when you have a fight and a referee, like you can go to the commission before your fight and disagree with a referee being assigned to your fight. We've seen this, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Some guy, mm-hmm. Mike Beltran had this this last weekend with uh, the, the uh, Juliana Velasquez, Liz Carmouche fight. Velasquez was 100% convinced that Beltran screwed her, which I disagree whatever but i'm saying like she felt what and she could have gone to the commission and said i don't want him refereeing we've seen it before i think i think brock lesnar made that request there's other people who made that request why can't you do it with the judges why can't you go in and say i don't want doug crosby anywhere near my fight right right and and i and for me personally i talked to the referee backstage beforehand and i know what i'm getting into with that referee i've been around the sport a long time and i've obviously had a lot of fights and watched them and I kind of know, like, okay, this guy tends to stop fights or this guy tends to stand people up really quick. You know, this guy lets them fight a little more. Uh, they don't always necessarily live up to what you expected out of them, but that is a little piece in your mind. And they, they, they give you a little speech backstage and they tell you this and that. Yeah, and I think I don't see any reason why a judge couldn't do that too. Like, like look, you know, I'm I'm gonna base it solely off damage, right? Like, you know, or you know, what I mean, like something. I don't know. Well, there's got to be accountability. Like I said, but accountability, as we just said, I I bring up Eve Levine, and we talk. I joke with you all the time. Your fight with Pete Sell, where you I, literally, I thought Pete Sell must have owed Eve Levine money because you were just absolutely bludgeoning this poor guy, and you look to Eve Levine like, dude. Look at him. He's done. And he's just like, oh, I don't know what's going on. You had to keep, you did not want to keep hitting Pete Sell. You knew the fight was over and Eve Levine was basically like, this guy's going to get, but we remember that years. How long ago was that fight? I still remember Eve Levine screwing up that fight, but you know what? And here's the sad truth. And I'm guilty of this too. Your fight with Brian Barberina here in Ohio. I don't remember the judge's names. I don't. I just don't. We need to. Yeah. You're absolutely right. We need to shine a light on these people so they, they can be held accountable because we do it with referees. We got to do it with judges. We have to. Yep. And that's the best, um, you know, change nothing solution that I have. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like there's a lot of things I think could be changed with the criteria. I think there's things that could be changed with, again, open scoring. I think there's things that could be changed with um, the stupid 10-9 system. Um, you know, a lot of different things that are more administrative changes. There's no reason, you know, the simplest thing like UFC themselves just in the production can just shine some light on judges. This is who's judging. This is what you're dealing with. Um, You know, and maybe find a way where they have to justify. I don't know. You know what we're going to do? You know, I think it's a good idea. Now, this isn't going to work in Brazil because it may not work in Australia either because we don't get it ahead of time. But with Nevada, Nevada always before title fight, when they do their commission hearing, they assign referees and judges. I think what we you and I need to do 
let's say March, when they go back to Vegas, I think March 4th, that pay-per-view is going to be in Vegas. So the February meeting, they'll assign, if there's a title fight on that card, whatever it ends up being. You and I, when the because I always cover the commission he- hearings, I'll write down the referee and judges over, let's just say hypothetically, let's say it's John Jones, Francis, and Ghana. When they announce that fight, and we know the referees and judges, you and I on the podcast here, we should actually look at those judges and talk about them on the podcast. Say, okay, Doug Crosby is scoring this fight, and we know he's going to be scoring this fight. We should absolutely go in the past in his history and look at his resume and say, you know what? I see like 10 examples here where this guy had a bad scorecard. We need to watch out for this guy beforehand. Now, it's not going to work all the time because not everyone announces who's judging what until you're like the night of the fight. But when we get it ahead of time, like we know from Nevada, they always assign the referees and judges ahead of the fight. I think you and I on the podcast should start doing that. So when I get the list, I'm going to send it to you. And I'll say, here's who's refereeing Nganu Jones. And then by the, or here's who's judging Nganu Jones. When we come on the podcast that following week, you and I should be able to talk about those judges and say, here's who's judging. Here's who we need to watch out for. Here's what they've done in the past. That I think is a, is at least a somewhat small solution. At least we're going to bring these people to the forefront. Do you, do you agree? Do you think that'd be a good idea? I think it's a good idea. And, you know, I know you can go on, you can see all their, their resume, their past judges, their fights and what they score, or past fights that they judge and what they scored them. And yeah, so I think that's a good start. I mean, you know, put them on some sort of, you know, put them on a platform and, you know, let's, let's put these guys on, 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 you know, on blast, man. You know, um, I mean, listen, it's better than, it's, it's better than nothing and nothing is what's happening right now. Exactly right. I think, I think you're dead on with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down uh, for it. Let's do it. All right. That's our plan. Again, we have to kind of put it off till March because we won't find out who's going to, because Brazil and, and Australia don't announce that stuff ahead of time until the night of the fight. So we'll probably have to wait till March. We'll, we'll do it in March. We'll find out in March and we'll start doing it for every, every time we can find out ahead of time and we can record a podcast about it. We'll put it, we'll shine a light on it because again, it's better than nothing and nothing is all that's happening right now. Um, Real quick before we get out of here, Matt, I, I do want to we, – we had a lot to talk about with the judging and, of course, the Patty Pimblet fight. Real quick before we get out of here, um, there were a lot of other impressive performances on Saturday. I mentioned Ponzinibbio, Drakus Duplessis, Ilya Taporia, Raul R- Rosas Jr. There were a lot of fun fights. Did anyone else – did anyone else on the card stand out to you? Because I do want to – I do want to close out on a positive note and anyone else that we want to shout out who had a good performance on Saturday night. I'll tell you who stuck out to me the most. Um and you just mentioned it was Ilya Taporia. I mean, he put a beating on Bryce Mitchell and really surprised me. I picked Bryce to win that fight. That was one of the two fights that I picked wrong. And uh, Bryce just never got a single thing off on him, really, uh, anything significant. And uh, Ilya just looked amazing. I thought he had great composure. And then the fact that he finished it with a head-arm triangle on Bryce Mitchell was just uh, – you know, mad props to that guy, man. What a great performance he had. And, um, you know, that'd be a great fight uh, for Patty next, right? And <laughs> they, they've been going, they've been barking back and forth at each other. So I would love to see that. I don't think he, I don't, I think he, I think he should tear up the contract if they send the contract for Ilya Taporia. Oh, I don't think uh, Patty's going to take it. <laughs> I, I, I would not suggest Patty take it. But, you know, if he wants to talk, uh, you know, wants to talk about that shit to Ilya Taporia, then, Hey, let's uh, let them fight it out. Fighting solves everything. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Ilya Tapori is mine as well. I'd like to. I do want to give a shout out to Santiago Ponzinibbio. Incredible comeback, man. He was down two rounds, sure. come back and knock out Alex Morono. And credit to Alex Morono too. He took that fight on six days notice and put on a performance like that. Nearly won. Uh, but Ilya Tapori, man, because Bryce Mitchell's good. Bryce Mitchell may be a bit of a lunatic and his whole flat earth lunacy, but he is a damn good fighter. And he got, I mean, it was one way traffic from start to finish that fight. Ilya beat him up on the feet. And then, and what Bryce Mitchell is known for is his grappling. He got out grappled too. I mean, that was like one of those performances where afterwards I'm like, damn, like I did not like I picked, see, I was the opposite. I picked Ilya to win, but I was like, I don't know. This might not be a good pick there. I'm kind of not feeling good about that pick. And Ilya well, went we, out there. We, and just, what we thought both of us probably thought was this is a stylistic matchup where Bryce takes him down, gets yep. on top. He's probably going to beat him. He's probably going to out grapple shut him. Ilya keeps on the feet. We know Ilya probably has a better stand up. And what we were probably most of us, at least me was basing it off of was the, Bryce's last fight with Edson Barboza, and we know how good Edson Barboza is. And Bryce was able to do it to him, so I thought, well, he can probably do it to Ilya Taporia. And Ilya proved us all wrong. He is a very high level guy, and he's got a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, it's it was it was an incredible performance. Well, we're gonna have a lot more to talk about. Final UFC card of the of the year comes up next week. Of course, we're gonna do a year end show before it's all said and done, where we pick our favorite things from twenty twenty two. Uh, but obviously we got Jared Gordon, or excuse me, Jared Gordon, Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland fighting this weekend. So we'll do a little bit of fallout from that next week. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about, uh, depending on what all happens this week. So, uh, make sure you tune in for that. Uh, as always, Matt, uh, where can people find you? Where can people check out what you're doing? All the things you got going on. Instagram. I am the immortal Twitter. I am the immortal. Same thing on both. You got Facebook, the immortal Matt Brown, check out the immortal I'm currently working right now. Uh, well, I got the two, three now dynamic striking instructionals. I'm currently working on my own video library to put out my own instructionals. Um, that's a bigger job than what I expected it to be, but it's a, <laughs> good, it's a fun job. And I'm going to have tons of videos on there for everything in the May. And um, I have courses, uh, just a, a massive library. So that would probably be, I'm guessing, June, July of next year hopefully sooner but this is a pretty big job yeah it is i understand well check out all that uh next time you need to get amped up for the show drink some immortal coffee it'll definitely put some freaking adrenaline in your veins oh yeah and uh and, and listen to the podcast that way always want to say a big thank you to everyone that tunes into the show uh we'll be back next week with more fighter versus rider we'll have more to talk about i got all fired up this week so i don't know if i'll maybe calm down next week i guess i can't have the immortal coffee before this broadcast because i was already fired up <laughs> enough for this one uh thank you as always everyone tuning in we'll see you next week for another edition of the fighter versus the rider thanks for tuning in see you then Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, 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 click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. 
stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work.